Welcome to Major League Rugby Kickoff, Episode 2, hosted by Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Pete Steinberg, how are you, my friend? Good to be on the line with you once again. Hey, Dan, I'm doing well. I am in this rare clouds. Yeah, the state of Colorado it can turn it on when it wants to. Now, last week, you were the Globetrotter. You were in Singapore. You had your travel tips. What have we got this week in terms of travel tips? Anything exciting for you this week? Well, I mean, I don't have any any real travel tips. I'm, I'm off tomorrow to uh, um, D.C. Uh, I'm doing – I'm actually commentating on the Wales uh, South Africa game, which is exciting for me, before I head to New Orleans and do the – New Orleans Glendale game on Sunday. And I um, we're traveling with uh, our 18-month-old daughter who has had over 60 flights in her 18 months. We have traveled with her a lot. And all I would say is that chest carrier is your friend when you're traveling with a baby under 12 months. So just get the chest carrier. They sleep in it. You can carry around it. You can sit in the plane. In it. Once they get past 12 months, it's more difficult. But before then, I would go with the chest carrier. Well, I'll give a little tip kind of off the back of what you've said there. I almost missed my flight out of Houston because I chose a security line with the family of seven going through, and it was uh, terrifyingly long as uh, the daughter was mortified that her bottle of water had to be thrown out. And after a 25-minute argument with the TSA officer, we finally got through security, and I was the last person on my flight. I had those... uh, Needle and pins, eyeballs and knives and daggers staring at me as I got on the plane, holding everyone else up. So uneventful, though. I got on the plane, we got home. And it was a big weekend, too, for Major League Rugby. We saw a lot of movement on the table. And that log jam in the middle just continues to switch and change order as each game continues. As we look at our tips from last week, well, I was very disappointing, one and two. Uh, I'll excuse myself Friday night. Let's talk about that one first. Austin over San Diego. What were your thoughts on that game? You and I called that one for CBS Sports. We did, and and, and honestly, I it was a really remarkable game. Um, you know, I, I, I follow a lot of uh, people like um, uh, Aaron Castro, who's our producer here. He does the Earful of Dirt, and I don't think there was a single – member of that who called it for Austin. Both you and I um, went with San Diego. I, I, I had it um, a, a little bit closer than you did, but it was it, it was a little bit mind-blowing. Um, you know, I think uh, Austin had a bye week. Uh, they, they, they had a couple of players that came back. Um, you know, I think that uh, Pedri Vandenberg is, is, is obviously a big leader. And actually, I... Um, uh, bumped into Dave Williams from Glendale today um, when I was down at the Eagle camp. And he said, you know, Pedri's one of those players that makes all the players around him better. And he did that on that game on Friday. Yeah, he certainly did. Uh, To me, I was quite disappointed with San Diego with the roster they have to put that performance out. I think you and I talked about it a little bit after the game. It almost had the feeling as those, those seven Eagles almost playing like they just didn't want to get hurt, didn't want to jeopardize their position in the USA setup, and that's understandable, but you know, it really come back to bite them there. They just looked uninspired and unmotivated. And the conditions, you know, they weren't the best for all the Southern California boys. It was very hot and humid, but again, I just thought uh, I would see a little bit more consistency from San Diego. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they looked past them. I mean, I think like everyone else did, they probably, you know, watched Austin's play that hadn't been good up until that game, that hadn't provided a lot. You know, they, they'd been very opportunistic in their scores. You know, they they didn't look like they had um, a tremendous structure. And I think they looked past them. And I think the, the, the good thing for Major League Rugby is it says even a top team filled with stars, if they don't walk onto that pitch mentally ready to play, they're going to get punished. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that I think that, it, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. And, I, I, you know, I, I look at the challenges that San Diego had. I mean, Austin came out and they did an amazing job of just putting San Diego under pressure. I thought um, Roland uh, Suniola on uh, outside center just put so much pressure on the back line of San Diego. They ne were never able to get the ball wide. They were never able to get the ball into Audsley's hands. And they really, really struggled. And you saw them having a few kicks that, you know, weren't great. I mean, there's that tag leader kick that really was, you know, that they just had the ball for a couple of phases and you just felt a few more phases they could make a break. And he put that kick to the fullback and put it, you know, ran the length of the field and and put it down. It was a little bit of a backbreaker earlier in the second half. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of um of the disappointment with San Diego's start, but also the lack of leadership and ability to pull themselves out of it, even when they realized they had to do something differently. Well, they've got the bye this week, Pete. So we'll see if they bounce back the same way Austin were able to. Of course, they're going to go through that stretch without their Eagles players. Uh, look at the depth. Southern California, though, plenty of talent there. And especially with some of the Division One teams finishing up this weekend as well, I'll be interested to see if some of those on back, Belmont Shore, Santa Monica Dolphins, they find their way into that uh, San Diego Legion roster. Now, Saturday, it was uh, even hotter, believe it or not, than Friday night. It was Houston taking on Utah. Last week, I thought that Houston were about to turn the corner, that they were going to have the best run here. But Again, Utah came just a little bit more inspired, I think, on the day. It was a close game back and forward, but Utah, their big players got them over the line. Pete, what do you think of that one? I mean, I actually thought that um, even though this was the closest game of the weekend, I thought in terms of quality, it was probably the one that wasn't of the highest quality. I mean, I think that, you know, if you look in total in that game, there was just over 100 rucks. And relative to, you know, like, uh, you know, the game we were just talking about where there was like 120 and the um, uh, Seattle um, uh, NOLA game where there was over 170. And rucks are actually a pretty good measure of quality because it will tell you how much the ball is in play. And it will tell you, you know, the more rucks, the more the ball's in plays, the less errors they are. So I thought it was, um, it, it wasn't a, um, a great, uh, quality game but it was probably a, it was a very dominant performance by utah i i think that they're building more of their structure and i think as they go through the season it's going to be tough to match them there's the you know this the, the, the scrum was the big question here dan lots of questions by brett and grant with you talking about the scrum talking about scott green's calling of it and you know i know as, as a as a back you you have a lot of you know real input in the scrum so what did you think about how the scrum was refereed in that game it's one of the greatest mysteries to all players, probably from <laughs> 10 through 15. Number nines, they're pretty close. I think they understand it a little better than both, but I, I just think it's a, it's a gray area. And uh, <laughs> well, that's the, 
that's the best I can do, Pete. I'm I'm sorry, but sometimes a ref will call one thing, another time they'll call another. I think if I'm a captain of a side, I ask for the interpretation of the referee before kickoff. How are you going to uh, how are you going to referee these scrums? What are you looking for? I go and talk to my forward pack and say, hey, you know, if it's Scott Green, he's looking for a stable platform. He really Scott doesn't like you know that push and barge at the scrum he wants a stable platform ball in ball out let's attack um you know so that then i've just really got to get my front row to shore up and he yeah. likes seeing that elbow up other referees it's a little different they're looking for that bind coming off they're looking for the uh the pop-up out of the scrum those those front rowers to stand up uh so that would probably be the only way i could do it Pete. i'm sorry i i, uh, I made fun <laughs> of the winger aniki Falmasili. Uh, as he packed in on the scrum once. I've done it once myself at Blindside. Thank God there wasn't a camera there because it would have been just as amusing. It, it really is the uh, the mysterious arts up there. I have no clue. Well, you know, I, I, I appreciate that that comment. We'll probably clip it and, and share it with all the scrum coaches. But I think, I think you know, the interesting thing is that there's a difference between, you know, I actually um, coached the scrum for a couple of years for the US women and really invested in learning a little bit about it. And um, I think that the challenge you have is that there's a lot of technical stuff that happens in the scrum, but there's only a few things that the referee looks at. And it doesn't really matter if you're dominant, if you're not driving square, and if your bind isn't right, the referee's going to call you for it. And I think that's what happened. And, and it did affect Houston. I mean, Houston found themselves, you know, they they were on, you know, they had less than 40% of the possession. They struggled. I mean, they are a good team that just, uh, they're just really struggling right now. If it wasn't for bonus points, they have five bonus points, you know, two of which they got here. If it wasn't for bonus points, they might be out of touch of the playoffs. So as a team that's really had a lot of time together, um, I think they'll be disappointed. But I think they've scored the try of the weekend going from their half, going through multiple phases. And I think it was uh, Kalenisau who finished it off but it was offload. It was just a beautiful, beautiful try. And that was the try of the weekend. And that's what Houston are doing. They're just not doing enough of it. Yeah, those two uh, Fijian boys, Vithi and Kalenisau, it's good to see Vithi back on the field as well. He'll be better for the hit out. It doesn't get any easier for Houston, though. They're the CBS Sports Game of the Week this week, Pete, but they take on Seattle, who on Sunday – were just dominant in front of that very hostile home crowd. Uh, the Seawolves have done an amazing job in 2018. A lot for uh, Shane Skinner and his crew to there to be really proud of. But uh, now they go on the road. They leave the sanctuary of the fortress in Seattle and they take on Houston. In it, It's going to be hot this weekend in Texas. I've looked at the weather. It's not going to be pleasant for Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much that's going to make a difference. I... You know, I, I, I think that Seattle's performance against NOLA may have been the top performance of any team um, in Major League Rugby this year, except for about 10 minutes when they were down to 14 players. When I think NOLA scored three tries, um, they were just dominant. And I, I went back because, I you know, I wanted to go back and I actually watched the first 10 minutes of that game again when they went 21 nothing up. And Houston, who is a good team a good attacking team with some game breakers some great ball players twice they had the ball for more than six phases and both times they went backwards one time ended up um the referee stopped it uh um and uh they ended up having a scrum because there was an injury i think uh, striffler was hurt 
And so he stopped it. That scrum was turned over. That was the try that um, uh, uh, Duchel, um, the beast, scored. And then um, the uh, the other one ended up with a poor kick uh, after six phases. And these are like double tackles. And they just won the contact. They won the game. Like their defense is absolutely phenomenal. The, the thing that I think teams should be worried about because I've always felt like they've had a good set. You know, we always know they've had a good scrum from the very first game. And they've had a good defense. It's actually the structure that they're bringing, they're, um, bringing to the attack. So Matt Turner, um, his individual try was a set move where they um, attacked the middle of the field. And you could see they were always going back to the blind side. Turner came around the corner. They rolled a forward. They hit him and he went through. If they can play with some attacking structure and pace, you know, they're going to be scoring a lot of points and they're just so difficult to score against. Yeah, Seattle, they jumped to the top of the table over Glendale, who were on the bye, admittedly, still undefeated Glendale. But the big question over Major League Rugby is the USA Eagles squad and the missing players throughout. Now, Pete, during the week, you got to go into camp in the uh, down there at Glendale, sorry, How's the feeling in camp and what can you give us uh, some inside information perhaps on how the guys are preparing? Yeah, I mean, I, I managed to get down today. Um, you know, Dave Hodges and Gary Gold were very kind. Um, I had a bit of a quick trip down there, but I got them to – I saw them to do their I, – I caught up on, with their last practice and they seem really relaxed. And I look out on that field and I'm like, this might be one, one of the best US sides I've seen. Um, in you know in the in in the 25 years that I've been following it I mean you, I look at the people that aren't in the lineup and I say well that lineup is the starting lineup and then I look at the other side and I'm like well hold on there are some starters over there I think the depth is really really phenomenal um, I think they're in a really good space I I like the order of their games they play Russia first now you know Russia has um, provisionally qualified for the World Cup but they actually came third in the European um, Division Two Championship. So Russia is a good matchup on June 9th um, here at Dick's Sporting Goods in Denver. And then they play Scotland and, and you know, um, in Houston. And we've had some really, really good results in Houston. Like you said, it's going to be hot. If you think it's hard for Seattle to go down to Houston, imagine Scotland going to Houston. Um, and I, I I like that matchup. I think I think we've got some opportunities. So they're doing, I think they're doing really well. The, the, the thing is when you come into these camps is, is, how little they actually do on the, on the pitch. So, and this will be true of the MLR teams as well. You know, you look and, you know, they'll have two practices a day, but one practice will be sort of like a 30, 40 minute unit session, quite light. And then the second session's an hour long. And so it's only 90 minutes out on the pitch and they're doing other things, but it makes it really hard for the international teams when they come together, you know, they had a, I think they were together for four days today. Um, the players returned back to their MLR teams. Um, uh, but, you know, those that are playing this weekend, I, I think the San Diego players, because of their bye, got to stay. But, you know, those players go back and then they return next week and they've probably got, well, Dan, you've been there maybe four sessions on the field before they play Russia. And so there's not a lot of time to do anything that is sophisticated. You know, you look at the try that um, the hooker Tui Palutu has scored twice for Seattle, where they have that move and, 
you know, on the on the line out and he stays in the tram lines and he scores. You're not going to see any of that from the Eagles going into these June tests because they don't have the time to really develop. You know, they're just trying to implement and install the fundamentals of, of what they're doing. But they seem in good sorts. They seem healthy. Um, and I'm excited to watch them play. Well, Gary Gold doesn't know how good he has it. For example, 2009, we had a World Cup qualifying year. We played two games before the Churchill Cup. You remember the old Churchill Cup there? Yep. So we played Ireland and Wales, then we went to the Churchill Cup, then we stayed in camp and did home and away against Canada. So it was about 12 weeks all up. A lot of uh, angry wives and girlfriends in 2009 of USA players. Anyway, the first four weeks, Pete was downloading because we didn't have this luxury of all professional players who were coming into the squad fit and coming in game-hardened. You could see in the opening couple of weeks of training, some of us had just come out of the Super League season, which was an okay standard of rugby, but no means near professional. We were training once or twice a week. Um, Guys had come in from Division 1. I think we actually had a Division 2 guy as well in the squad at that point playing Division 2 club rugby. So the first few weeks was just getting up to speed, downloading systems, terminology that professional clubs use that no one had ever heard of. So they're a lot further ahead of the curve than like this is only uh, nine years ago now. So it's definitely exciting times for the Eagles and exciting times for USA Rugby. And speaking of exciting times, you got a chance to also catch up with player of the week this week from the Seattle Seawolves. And that was their flying winger, the Canadian Brock Staller. Welcome to MLR Kickoff Interviews. This week is Major League Rugby's Player of the Week, Seattle Seawolves wing, Brock Staller with Pete Steinberg. Thanks, Aaron. Um, thanks, Brock, for, for joining us today. And congratulations on your Player of the Week honor. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for uh, having me on the show today. Appreciate it. So, you know, first of all, I'm going to start off with the uh, um, introduction by Aaron, where he called you a wing, but you've actually played lots of positions. What would you call yourself? I'd say a utility back, to be honest. I've I've played center, I've played fullback on the wing. Like, I'm just happy to be on the field and make an impact wherever I can. So, But if the coach said to you, okay, Brock, what position do you play? What would be your answer? Now, let, let's let's assume that Phil Mack is not listening, so you can you can be as, as I'd, honest. I'd as... say I'd say uh, I'd say thirteen. I've played there most okay. of my life. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's great and sort of very southern hemisphere, right? So thirteen and wing. People like Tana Umanga played, uh, right. uh, you know, wing and wing and thirteen. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your your experience with with the Sea Wolves and the and the MLR. We're, we're you know, through the first six weeks, obviously yeah. the Eagles are doing well. Um, what what has your experience been like? It's been uh, it's been pretty interesting, I suppose. Right, a lot of uh, a lot of our team is player led because I guess you've heard of, about the stuff with coaching and with uh, Tony not being able to stay with us. Um, but it's worked out well. There's some growing pains though, just trying to organize, you know, trainings and also being a player at the same time for Phil, um, you know, Ray Reichert. A lot of us. Um, with more experience or kind of falling into that role of, you know, having to teach and having to play, but uh, we've made it work and uh, we've put a pretty good product on the field. So we're pretty happy with our progress so far. Now, you know, Seattle seems to have done an amazing job of creating an atmosphere at Starfire. Um, 
in 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 the US, we've seen um, you know nothing like that. What's it What's it like playing there? And does it does it's, it compare to any of your other experiences that you uh, have? It's it's pretty amazing. Like it's it is very American with all the stuff we have, but it's great having an owner in uh, in Shane uh, Skinner who's willing to listen to our fans and produce such a quality product. Like you know, fireworks, smoke machines, fire machines, all that kind of stuff just um, makes it a memorable experience for the players, but more importantly, the fans. And, you know, they'll leave the stadium having maybe been their first rugby game, but they'll tell their friends, hey, you know what, this was a good time playing here in Seattle. And, and the fans get behind the game, um, you know, with our defense, uh, you know, the coveted seawall that they, they talk about now, like it's loud. It's not obnoxious, but it's loud and all uh, good hearted. So it's, it's amazing playing at home. I've never uh, felt something like it before. So... Tell us a little bit about some of your background. How did you start playing, and and what you know? Give some shout outs to the teams that you've you've played with. Um, yeah, I yeah. Uh, I just basically started in uh, in grade eight in high school. I grew up playing, you know, ice hockey, basketball, soccer, a lot of golf. You know, a variety of sports. I was fortunate enough to do that. But then uh, in high school, you know, rugby came along, and it seemed like a good avenue to uh, you know to play a sport. You know, the girls were interested in the guys playing contact sports and stuff like that. <laughs> So that's kind of why we all, you know, all the guys from the basketball team got uh, pushed over to play. My dad also, uh, I went to the same high school as my dad, and he coached the team. So he uh, he wanted me to play as well, and I uh, I jumped on. It was a lot of fun. So I started out in, in Vancouver at Kitsilano High School and then started playing club rugby uh, with the Mariloma Club in Vancouver when I was, uh, I guess, 15 under uh, Dave Tucker. Um, no, he goes by flop. He has a couple caps for Canada back in the late 80s. And he uh, was really a mentor and, you know, pushed me to, to want to keep getting better at the game. And then from there, we uh, we had a tour when I was in grade 12 um, to the UK, to Wales and, and England. And we actually followed the same path that um, he, uh, he would have back in the uh, – or his father would have in the 1970s along with the Loma Club. So it was pretty cool that we did the exact same tour they went on. And then from there, it just – it kept going. And I actually – I played two years of college golf after high school and I was able to actually play uh, – play rugby with the Mariloma club at the same time. I had a South African uh, golf coach and he was obviously, you know, not, uh, not upset with the fact I was playing rugby as well. We had a pretty strong uh, premier team and it was quite a competitive league. The, the BC premier league at the time with a number of Canadian nationals um, playing in it. And I just went from there and eventually uh, moved on to UBC and then got, got a phone call in, uh, in February of 2016 to join the squad and just been pushing ever since. Yeah, I mean, golf and rugby is a is a really good combination. I, um, how many rounds of golf have you had this season? I, I played three weeks ago. Oh, oh I really? Enough, I played three weeks ago. And actually, you know, put to, together a pretty solid round. I shot 74 with my sister. Had no expectations. I just wish I had more time to get out. Well, you know, yeah, golf is, is, is one of those um, – uh, pastimes that lots of professional rugby players enjoy because they can be competitive, but it doesn't actually right. too much. So it's a good, good day off activity. Sure. Yeah. Now, did when, when you were at UBC, did you play rugby for UBC? I played rugby at UBC. I was there for, uh, I guess, uh, three and a half, four years. With uh, Curry was coaching and then uh, Ramsey's. And then before them, it was uh, Spencer McTavish, who's also, you know, a famed Canadian player, and uh, Dave Johnson, who was in the forwards for Canada a long time ago. You know, the, the, the place that the uh, Americans always um, hear about UBC is in the classic uh, UBC Cal yeah. matches. World Cup. Yeah, the World yeah. Cup. Uh, in the World Cup. And, and, yeah. and what was that experience like? Uh, 
I remember my first time, right, we went down there, and I don't think we'd won a game against Cal maybe in, in four or five years. So there's a huge um, return to excellence, uh, you know, funding program the alumni started in about 2013 to try and, you know, improve the program, create a weight um, facility, and make the team strong again like it uh, once was back in, you know, the 60s, 70s, and the 80s in that era. So we went down there, and I remember my first year, it was actually a pretty close game. It was 28 to 18, and then we actually – won the following year, um, home and away. And I don't think we've uh, lost a game. Maybe we lost, I think, this year on the away trip, but uh, we haven't lost since. But that was uh, that was always a fun time getting to play against Cal because they were a very uh, strong program as well. That's, that's great. And your first taste of sort of the international rugby experience that you've uh, been, yeah. been going through the, the last few years. So yeah. um, what, did you, uh, what did you graduate um, – you know, what, what degree did you get at UBC? And, and so what's your sort of non, non-rugby career goals that you have? So if I, if I wouldn't have continued on with uh, going over to the karting with the national team uh, two years ago with Canada, I did uh, kinesiology, so like health and education with a minor in science. So I was looking at um, like teaching essentially. So I worked in a, in a high school in my last uh, two terms, just uh, teaching, you know, some lower level science, like uh, grade, like freshman, sophomore science and then a couple PE classes. So I was actually going to continue on with a one-year placement and uh, finish up and hopefully be a teacher. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, that's one of those careers that you can travel with and uh, um, rugby can can help you, uh, no, help you get sure. jobs because you can be the rugby coach and the teacher, right? No, and- no for sure. My uh, my girlfriend, she's down in Australia right now. She's actually from Canada, but I, um, I went down to visit after the uh, ARC last year. And uh, just for two weeks, and I met up with a, a club down there, Jeeps, in Brisbane, and I just decided to stay. And uh, I played down there for uh, three months last year, and a couple of the guys on the team were, were teachers at different schools, and they were like, hey, man, we could get you a job, even with your degree, whether it's, you know, like um, taking care of the dorms, helping out here, doing some coaching. So I guess there is quite a bit of opportunity with the path I've taken. What was the, um, what was the quality like of rugby in Brisbane when you were down there? Uh, the Queensland Premier League, it's, you know, it's a pretty uh, high-quality league, um, maybe just below the shoot shield, but there's a lot of guys within that league who play with the Reds. Like, uh, I was fortunate enough to play like a game with like Radiki Samo, um, who, uh, Nick Frisbee, you know, a couple of guys like, throughout our team. So, no, it's a pretty high-paced uh, and good environment to, to play rugby. It's a big learning experience in terms of just you know, fitness and skill. skill level. I lost a few uh, kilos having to play down there and keep up. So... Is that um, is is that going to help you when you go down to uh, Houston this weekend, right? So you're a little bit used to the humidity and the heat. We we do try and get in the sauna here at the at where we train at, but you know you you can train for it, but in, unless you're down there full time, it's pretty tough to adapt. But you know, I, I'd say I'm a little more more adjusted than maybe some of the other teammates we might have. But yeah, it'll be a it'll be a tough one. So you know, you've been in 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 the Canada pool for the last couple of years and have been getting a number of caps um you know what what's next for you in terms of your um, rugby career goals and and kind of what you want to do next just want to keep on playing and improving it like you know small details and, and what i can to be a better player be the best that i can be ultimate goal is you know to qualify for the world cup and and be a part of that uh be a part of that team in 2019 so have you uh, um you know when we jumped on with with aaron we were talking a little bit about sevens um, is seven something that, that, that interests you or you just feel like you're a 15s player? 
I've probably always been a 15s player. I, I had a bit of a sniff at it when I was younger, but I don't know. I maybe just didn't have the training base or the fitness back then to keep up, but I'm happy playing 15s. So. Well, that's great. Well, Brock, thank you so much for your time. Um, and thank you so much for being our guinea pig on our Player of the Week interviews. Um, you know, you guys are having a great season, right? You're top of the league. And, you know, no, we're having, we're having a good time. It's, uh, it's been a cool experience. You know, there's like a number of, of, uh, like number of different levels of players on our team and within the training group, but there's a big willingness uh, to learn amongst the guys. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty easy to keep pushing uh, towards the end of the year here and everyone's improving. So it's, uh, it's a good time. I guess if if you're gonna um, if you're gonna get caught up, you're gonna have to miss a few of these games. Is that gonna be tough tough to leave the squad? It would be. It's uh, selections still haven't come out, so I can't really comment on that. But I think we'll still be we'll still be strong through these last three games, and uh, we have we have enough depth on the team that we can fill a number of positions. So it's just you know guys getting opportunities, and they should just you know slot right in with no issues. Well, that's great. You know, I, I was going to end it and then we, we went on for a little bit longer and I asked you the tough question. So I thought you handled it well. That's Thank right. you very much. Brock yeah. Stoller, good luck this weekend and all the best for the rest of the season. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, we really appreciate um, Brock taking the time to um, uh, chat with us. It's always good to hear a little bit about the, uh, the players and, and, and what they do. Um, unfortunately, Brock did not make the squad. The squad for Canada did come out. Um, there are three um, MLR players that are selected. There's um, Eric Howard, the hooker from NOLA, that's going to be a big loss for them. And then um, Ray Barkhill and uh, Phil Mack, who obviously are very, very big losses for, um, for Seattle. I, I think um, all three of those players can play this weekend, but it does... Um, challenge uh um uh those teams you know especially seattle um as they go into the last three games of the season well speaking of this weekend mr steinberg let's get our predictions rolling it is week seven we'll kick things off friday night back in austin the utah warriors coming off the win in houston travel back to texas to take on austin friday night footy who do you have and by how much? Well, I mean, I think that even um, in the heat down there, I mean, it's an 8 p.m. kickoff. You know, there's there's some interesting team stats available on the Major League Rugby website that I was looking at. And um, Utah average 21 missed tackles a game. Like, like they, they break tackles. Sorry, they break 21 tackles a game. They have more line breaks than anyone else. They have a strong scrum. You know, I don't want to, you know, go against Austin again, but I think I'm going to have to. I, I really think that um, this Utah team is is really growing and building into it. And I think it's going to be um, really tough for Austin to repeat. They played great last weekend, but I think it's going to be hard for them to repeat that. So I'm going to go with Utah. I'm going to keep it close, though, because I think um, it's going to be a close game because I think Austin will continue to play well and they'll continue to score some points. So I think uh, Utah by five. That is a tight game. I think it will be really close. Not sure when Kurt Marath leaves for his Tonga duties. We'll have to get a concrete date on that. Whether Oh, that is a good point. Uh, um, can I, can I uh, please review my... Uh, I didn't think about potentially Kurt being away this weekend um, because he has been phenomenal 
for Utah. He's like probably, I think he's been um, just really, really good. And he would be a huge loss, huge loss. Well, he's the rudder, isn't he? Utah are always a, a big ship. They're always talented. They just needed a rudder. And now Kurt Morath just provides that cool, calm, collected uh, fly half. Kicks well, passes well. Uh, he's just he's just an all-around, you know, veteran guy. You, you look at it for NFL comparisons, like, you know, you bring in that veteran quarterback, Kurt Warner, when he went to the Arizona Cardinals. Matt Leinert there, young gunslinger, couldn't get it done. Kurt Warner comes in, they go to a Super Bowl. So it's kind of like that. I'm stalling here trying to figure out whether I'm going to go Utah or Austin. I'm on the fence. Uh, I'm going to say we get our first ever Major League Rugby draw. How about that? <laughs> well, you've been really burnt by last week's Austin's performance, but hey, let's uh, let's 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 go with that. Just one more thing about this game that I think is going to be really interesting, and I think that's in the battle of the back rows. I mean, um, I think the um, you know we talked about Pedri Vandenberg. Um, and then, of course, um, Hanko uh, Jemashai, who is also um, a real star player. But some real great players in on um, the, uh, the the Utah side as well. So, you know, I think that the battle of the back row is going to be really, really important. And, you know, I think Austin might have the edge there, which is why I think it's going to be close. All right. Game of the week. We're down to Houston. Houston, Seattle. In the heat and humidity of southern Texas. Wow, you know it's it's it, it's hard. It's going to be hard to go against Seattle, but Houston have in them a team that can win this game. Um, I it's just it's it's been really difficult to to you know pick them. You, they're one of the highest scoring teams in um, Major League Rugby. I mean that they can score points in bunches. But they struggle in the lineout. They have a they have a strong scrum, but they didn't play the referee last week. Um, you know they have some dynamic runners in the backs if they can get some space. I you know I think they've got so much going for them at Houston. But you know I, I have to say that Will Holder's performance last week um, against Nola was an eye opener for me. Um, you know, I talked about how Kurt Morath was the best fly half in Major League Rugby. And I think one of the reasons why that's the case is because of how flat he stands. And Will really took, um, you know, really took that ball flat, really held the defense, was able to distribute the ball. I think that if he can continue that pattern, I think that Seattle win this game. Um, but I think it's going to be a high scoring. I think it's, you know, both teams are going to be over 30 points. Um, and I think Seattle, uh, um, you know what, as I talk my way through it, damn it, I'm going to go for Houston. I'm going to say, despite that, I think Houston have the legs. I think they're at home. They're going to be smarting. I'm going to go for Houston, but I'm going to go Houston by two. All right. I'm going Seattle. (laughs) I think it'll be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think Seattle, though, I just like what they're doing up there. I like their young players. They're getting some players back. If Phil Mack and, uh, and Barkwell are, are absent from the side, I think they can feel that. Nine's obviously going to be a lot more difficult, uh, as good as Ray Barkwell is. Um, you know, they've got some depth there at hooker. Uh, at scrum half, though, they're going to have to do a little bit of rejinking. Probably Shalom Suniula uh, will move from 12 into nine, would be my guess, just because he's got experience playing a high level at nine. Absolutely. 
That's and then uh, I bring Smith back into the side, maybe at 12. Holder stays at 10. Or flip those two around, not too sure. Again, it's going to be tight. I think the conditions will keep Seattle within touch of Houston. So I'll go Seattle by, uh, let's go eight points. Eight points for that one. And then the last one, the returning Glendale Raptors, also decimated by USA commitments, but they have those players back this weekend for one last hit out. They also have the return of two suspensions, and that is Ben Landry and Connor Cook that come back. I think both those players are going to be smarting, and Glendale are going to be very fresh, and it's a worrying sign for New Orleans to come off that loss in Seattle and run into this juggernaut. Yeah, this is the game that I'm doing, and, and, and you know, I, um, I don't see um, a pathway really for New, or- New Orleans to win this game. I, I think that Nate Osborne is doing a great job um, down there. I love the attacking structure. Um, I love Taylor Howden. I love I love the way he plays. I think they've got some great players on the outside, um, but I I can't see them being able to live with a fresh Glendale. Um, I just I I, I it, you know now the only the only thing I would say is that New Orleans should take heart because I think I probably said exactly the same thing about the Austin Elite last week. So you know they're at home. Um, you know they've 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 got an opportunity here. I think for for the Raptors, this is a really big game. I mean, I think if you look at um, where they are and with the players that they're missing, which is almost a half of their starting lineup, they have a couple of tough games coming up. I mean, when I spoke with Dave Williams today, he was like, "We, you know, two games, winning two games guarantees playoffs, and that's his target." And so th- their next two games are against New Orleans and then Houston at home, and then they have Seattle at home. So remember, okay, Seattle are without Phil Mack, but Glendale are missing um, Sean Davies and Will Maggie, right? So um, even worse. And then they're at San Diego away. So if they don't win this game, I'm not sure that they're going to win two games in their last four, which I think puts their playoffs in jeopardy. So I think they're going to be motivated for that. I think for New Orleans, you know, they've, they've, they've got, you know, two games um, at home back-to-back, but it's against Glendale and then it's against San Diego. But again, San Diego without their Eagles. So, you know, for both of them, I think that um, they've they've got stuff to play for. And of course, New Orleans, um, you know, are the poor team that has a bye on the last weekend, which is only useful if you're actually in the playoffs. So it's a big game for New Orleans. I think they have to, you know, win it or at least get two bonus points to still be in, you know, to still have a chance to be able to make that playoffs. But it's also a big game for Glendale. And because of Glendale's motivation, I'm going to give them the edge. Yeah, wouldn't that be something to have a camera down at the clubhouse in New Orleans in the last week? And they need a result to go their way. I don't know if you saw in the uh, the back end of the season, the uh, NFL, where Buffalo were watching the end of Baltimore-Cincinnati and Cincinnati beat Baltimore and Buffalo get in the playoffs. It'd be good to maybe have a little GoPro set up down at the New Orleans clubhouse. If they're in the four and they need something to happen for them in that last week, uh, it just adds to the uh, the theatre that is Major League Rugby. And I'm just stalling again here because I'm trying to think if New Orleans can pull a rabbit out of their hat and beat Glendale, just not seeing it happening. All the stars on deck for Glendale, I think they will uh, get the job down, uh, down there. And in particular, going on your conversation with Dave Williams, they know how important this one is to win while they have all their players available. They've got to get the win here and a big win with a bonus point. I think they will get it done as well. I'll go uh, Glendale by 10. 
And they'll buy 10. And remember that um, we expect JP Eloff back for um, uh, for Nola. So that'll be a big boost for them. It'll allow them to potentially move Rinikama back out to the wing, um, you know, an extra playmaker. But um, I'm with you. I think, uh, I, I don't know, did I give a scoring difference when, when I did that? Oh, I think I said, you know, I think that, I, I think Glendale by 10, um, I can't agree with you on that because that would be too difficult. Um, so I'm going to say Nola's going to be motivated and I'll say Glendale by five. There you go. That's good. It, uh, it'll be good to see JP Eloff back, especially after missing out on uh, Eagle selection, obviously. Bit of a bit of a downer for him. He gets to take on one of the potential Eagle tens in Will McGee this weekend. So good little proving ground for Eloff. And uh, I'd like to see Matt Houston get a shot to it at the next level. He's had a, an outstanding season for uh, Nola Gold down there as well. So either way, it should be good. Three big games on deck this weekend, starting Friday, ending Sunday, the second week in a row that we have three days of Major League Rugby. And you're going to be busy. Obviously, you've got Wales, South Africa first. You'll do New Orleans, Glendale on Sunday. I'll go Austin, Utah, and then do Houston, and Seattle. So make sure that everyone uh, tunes in on all the appropriate avenues, CBS Sports for Saturday, ESPN Plus, and the AT&T Networks on Friday and Sunday. Pete, travel safe to Washington, D.C., my friend. And I'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to work with you. Um, Enjoy your travels and enjoy that drive from Austin to Houston for the second week. You're you're a road and an and a plain warrior, and we appreciate everything that you do. We'll talk Maybe next week, week I can have some tips for people <laughs> who make the drive from Austin to Houston. My first one would be don't do it. Anyway, that wraps it up here for the MLR kickoff week. Oh, well, not week two. It's episode two. We're a little slow on the uptake, but we'll catch you next week. We'll go over the picks and all the action from week seven in Major League Rugby.